The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, MASH Minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, the Movies by Minutes podcast. We're analyzing the 1970 film directed by Robert Altman, but it's also called MASH. I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman. And I'm Jeff Ferry from the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. Welcome, Jeff. Jeff was kind of to have me over on Jay and Silent and waited until I think we were on mic to drop that you probably know more about this movie than than Megan. Yes, yeah. In a, well, besides the fact that I've seen it 8,000 times, like uh, I'm assuming a lot of people, uh, I sort of live this a little bit. <laughs> I, I have been in the Air Force for 22 years, so the last 18 of which I've been in a medical unit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get there. There's a reason. Megan is just finding this now. I'm like, I told you, I told you I had a good guest today. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're gonna ease you into it. This is minute 28, which starts with a helicopter coming in for a landing and ends with Burns applying his stethoscope to a patient's chest after ordering Boone to get him adrenaline and a cardiac needle. So you are here for our introduction to Margaret Houlihan. It's interesting because I guess I'm just so much more familiar with her from the TV show. Mm -hmm. And to see her as her introduction, you're like, oh, look at this nice person that's coming in here. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know that she isn't a nice person. This is true. She said awkwardly 28 minutes into the show. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Margaret Houlihan played by... Kellerman. Talk about Shelly Kellerman first. We can talk about talk about uniforms first. <laughs> if we want to debate if this could have all taken a turn and become a horror film really quickly with those rotors going. <laughs> it could have been a horror film. <laughs> she is so close. What really gets me is that you know those were actually spinning. Like this isn't CGI. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> This is way before they cared about the actor's safety. They're like, just get out there. You'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. Just don't stand too tall. Okay, thanks. All right, and go. <laughs> We've done the math. You'll be all right. You should be okay. Don't be an idiot. Oh, yuck. Just talk over each other. Don't stand too tall. You'll be fine. Make it work. And go. <laughs> I've been around a lot of planes and helicopters. I've never actually, I've never seen anybody wear a hat this close to any of them. There's a reason why you don't wear your hat when you're near there, because... It will come off and go flying into the rotor or down the engines. Yeah, I'm kind of amazed no one's hat came off. Well, the one guy's doing it right. He's got like one of those like winter hats on. <laughs> Father Mulcahy's a uh, hobbit hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I was trying to see how close exactly she got to sticking her hand into the rotors of this helicopter. I mean, it's the first thing they teach you. Like you're near a helicopter, you know, kind of, you know, you see if you've ever seen a movie, everybody's all ducked down. Yeah, they're all kind of ducked down. It's not really, you're never going to stick your hand into the blade, really. It's just, there is force coming down from there. It's not totally pleasant to be doing that. <laughs> it's more about something blowing out of your hand or, you know, they're not worried about you. They don't want you to hurt their equipment. That's probably true, right?
right. So what the heck were we discussing? <laughs> uh, helicopters and blades and hats. Oh, what a combination. I know, right? I I'm had... Also- Oh, I had written down stockings, uniforms, and a missed opportunity for a horror film. So I, I oh, like that we're all yes. on the same page. It's all on the same page. Yes, because I'm amazed. So, Jeff, you had said, I don't know if you heard this, Terry, because you got cut off, mm. but Jeff, you had said that they teach you not to actually, like, stand all the way up at a helicopter, correct? More so you don't hurt the equipment than versus, like, you. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it's less about, like, you losing your hand and more about, like, um, that is a $2 million helicopter you're standing next to, and you are not going to damage the engine of it. Right, so I'm amazed that, okay, so maybe that personal, that helicopter there didn't really cost $2 million. I'm not really sure in Korean oh. money, like Korean times money. So that makes no sense. <laughs> um, in the 1950s during Korea, if that cost that much. But it seems funny to me that she stood, she almost stood up all the way, it looked like. Like, she had to stop herself. They made her act like she'd never been on or off a helicopter, which I guess is not that... Unlikely. I mean, she's a nurse. Yeah. I don't know how much helicopter. She's probably only been a helicopter a couple times, and those things are barely helicopters. So. <laughs> I know they're kind of like bare bones, Lego. But she's a career army. Yeah. That, well, that's what I wonder. Like, we don't know much about her background or where she's been. Well, I'm not saying. I mean, she's army through and through. Obviously, that doesn't mean she takes a lot of helicopter rides, though. No, that's probably true. Yeah, we shouldn't assume. I would assume most of the time, especially back then, they were if you were going in and out of a place, it's probably trucks. I I honestly don't know. The only reason why she's probably on this helicopter is somebody was probably going there anyway. That's probably true. Why waste them time and effort and the? Well, I mean, it's it's because it looks cool and you get to see her garter. I mean, I think it's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is that, right? <laughs> We've seen people awkwardly climb down from trucks in this movie. They could have they could have made it happen, like literally, it, like the second minute. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as dramatic as this intro. Though. Well, and then you don't you don't get the strange saluting while you're underneath the thing. They're all saluting each other. <laughs> I would just think from like a self preservation, even if you. Even if you logically know you're not tall enough to stand up into a helicopter blade, like, wouldn't you just kind of out of, again, like a primal evolutionary self-protection instinct not do that? Most people duck even if you don't have to. It's just a natural reaction to duck down. The blades might be 15 feet up in the air and people will still duck. Yeah, because we've all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, you can't help it. Or uh, Dawn of the Dead. (laughs) Dawn of the Dead guy gets his head taken off. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Megan is the only person here who has come even close to wearing that outfit. <laughs> yeah, How what difficult do you know? is it to climb down? <laughs> like just to, like within like, like that kind of pencil skirt situation there. <laughs> yeah, I I distinctly remember you buying an army dress to wear to a certain mash themed party and realizing halfway through the party that it might have been a mistake (laughs) it might have been a mistake it's a little constricting i mean it looks great it looks fabulous but it's not exactly the most uh mobile they definitely designed this for like you work in an office or you work stateside in like this cute little hospital and like you don't really have to move except for like handing instruments right this is not well not not even that i have to run this is literally for (laughs) you're working at the desk you're not doing this is yeah, not for any. True. This is not for work, even stateside. This is, or this is her dress uniform. This is her dress yeah. uniform, which you would wear if you were going to your base for the first time, but not in a war zone that's three miles from the front. Exactly. <laughs> like I think we all would have forgiven her if she like had worn something a little more easier to 
maneuver. I went overseas a bunch of times. I never once. My dress uniform was at home. It never even came with us. Oh, no. This is like... <laughs> this is like her shtick, right? Even her dress down in a couple minutes is like... <laughs> It's still fancier than everyone else's. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna see uh, Hot Lips's version of dress casual. Dress casual, <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> it's not compared to everyone else. <laughs> but I like that you point that yeah. out because we saw we saw Duke and Hawkeye report to their new assignment for the first time, and yeah. it was quite a different experience. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they just rolled in from like playing eighteen holes. Like, hey, what's up? I'm here. Hey, showed up. Thanks for thanks for having me. I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why did we report to you? Well, see, we're drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I've got some theories on where this person, this character, came from. Where Margaret came from. Yeah, and okay. it's, it's off of fan trivia, so I don't have Richard Hornberger looking into a camera saying, and you know who inspired Houlihan. Okay. Not that enough. he would talk like that from what I've read. <laughs> but several real-life Korean War mash nurses are said to be the prototypes. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Most notable among them is Captain Ruth Dixon, chief nurse of the 8055th mash, which makes sense because that's where Hornberger served. Right. Also mentioned is one Hot Lips Hammerly, said to be a very attractive blonde of the same disposition from El Paso, Texas. I remember that coming up. A third name found in some internet resources is Captain Jane Thurness. All of them were career army nurses who eventually rose to high rank. And I mean, at the time, especially being, I mean, she had a lot going against her. I mean, it's only 19, you know, depending on when this is supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. the, the MASH timeline is always a little fuzzy about what year <laughs> of the war it's supposed to be. The TV show is even worse, where it's like all, they have like eight New Year's while they're there, and then more yes. like last three years. <laughs> exactly. One episode is an entire year, and then right, we just yeah. pretend that didn't happen. Pretend that didn't happen. Even now, the military is obviously a more male-dominated thing. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine it in 1950. Like, yeah. women weren't even in most of the jobs. It was like, oh, yeah, you can be a nurse. or Nurse was the place to be if you were a female because you could rise in rank. Mm-hmm. Like, she outranks most of the doctors in this. Yep. Which, that only works, like... Well, I live for I, next minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that, that does matter. I mean, that's what makes it different than, like, a, a regular civilian hospital where, like, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm in charge. It's like, well, no, not here. <laughs> <laughs> You're in charge literally while the surgery is going on, and then that's it. That's, that's it. it. Yep. There's a really great, very long, so I'm not going to read it, quote in her IMDb trivia, which I've seen parts of other places about Sally Kellerman talking about getting the role. And she was originally called in to read for Lieutenant Dish, which I think we mentioned, and was told Hot Lips is going to be the best part in the picture. And there's a really sweet part where she's like, you know, I thanked him, took the script, rushed outside, didn't even wait to get home before I cracked open the script to get a better look at this, quote, best role in the picture. And she really, like, she's going through page after page, goes, on page 40, maybe I found a single line. Later, I found a few more. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, called her, there's nothing to this part, you know, what's going on, had to be convinced to take it. And we've mentioned before how she just, took it and ran with it and we're gonna talk more about that as the movie goes on but i just love the idea that yeah we're we're 28 minutes into here she gets to say oh yes as she straightens up and uh, well you know it's a typical it. robert altman movie there's just like characters showing up halfway through 
people in the script have two lines. They end up having like <laughs> fifty lines. <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the camera's rolling. Yeah, the camera's rolling. I'm just gonna start talking. They're all talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just talk all over each other while there's a helicopter going. You know that works. Yeah. We have this convenient helicopter sound to hide any. Uh, <laughs> they probably have no yeah. dialogue beyond say hello to each other. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> really, I think it's funny that we keep talking about the height of the helicopter blades and her standing up. And part of her finding her place in Hollywood was that she's 5'10". And so said she always had trouble getting cast in things. She was considered too tall for everything. Hmm. So yeah, Sally Kellerman, 5'10", fabulous. I, I will keep with my tradition of, as we're introduced to people, where were they in their personal lives? At this point, when they were filming the movie, she was not yet married to her first husband. The other thing that I want to give a throw-up to in discussing Sally Kellerman's biography is she is an amazing singer, and if you haven't listened to her, oh my god. Because we're going to get more than this oh yes, and her voice is awesome. I mean, she definitely has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. But I, to- I mean, from the moment she yes. walks out of there through this whole movie, I totally buy her as the head nurse of this place. I love it. I mean, I do too, but I have no thing to go yeah. on other than liking MASH. <laughs> You're bringing a, an understanding well, I mean, yeah, to it that we are not. Yeah. It's just, you have to be able to, to obviously tell your nurses what to do, but you have to be able to stand up to every other department and tell them what to do. Or that, like, mine, I mean, and it's a little bit in this, and it's more show, even in the show she was like that, it was always, these are my nurses. And she would stand up for them and, you know, try to keep mm. other people off her and try to keep, you know, the dirty doctors away from them, too. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I found really interesting in the book. I bet they say it in the movie, too, but I don't remember. I know the book better. Tales of the South Pacific by James Michener, which the musical South Pacific. When mm. they introduced the nurses, the frustrating thing is that all the nurses were made officers, but most of these women, how can I put this? It was a very snooty thing. Like the doctors were all upper class and well-educated, and they're talking about, they're very down on these nurses who are well-educated for the time and place. But basically implying that what they want to do is flirt with and hang out with and get to know and fall in love with these women. But because of the rank, they're forced to spend all their time socializing with the doctors who are all married and have almost nothing in common with outside Uh, of the hospital. Mm. And so that's something I've always thought of, too. When we're looking at this movie where we see, yeah. we don't get well, that and off of It's these military movies. policy then and now that officers and enlisted cannot fraternize with each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is the so much more succinct way. I mean, obviously, it's <laughs> the real world. Sorry. Things happen. But, like, I mean, you can get kicked out for it. Like, you can, mm-hmm. it's still in the in the Uniform Code of Military Justice. If you do that and are caught, it's uh, not good things. Mostly for the officer. The officer, they really come down hard on. Okay. The enlisted person, you just hope you sneak away. <laughs> go, go go off to another assignment somewhere. <laughs> Let's pretend this never happened. Exactly. It's funny because we don't get that. If we, we, we see, yeah, the, well, yeah, of our married doctors have no problem with. <laughs> Clearly. It is something I kind of kept in mind of, you know, later we're going to see Boone talking to someone. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what's going on here? It's weird. But I think because I knew MASH first. I can't divorce it in my mind from like the the reality feels like it's intruding onto 
my knowledge of these characters. Well, yeah, because you have stuff. something like MASH, where, like, this one, where, like, every person is just, like, they're all philandering, they're all doing whatever. And then you see, like, old war movies where everyone is, like, the most stand-up person ever. Well, like, yes, I am. Everyone's Captain America. I got a perfect moral compass. You know, I love my girls back home. I would never... It, the truth obviously lies somewhere in the middle. Where, like, I think the TV show might have been closer where <laughs> they have, like... Yeah. There was people that were cheating on their spouses back home, but then you had, like... You would have the occasional person was like, nope, uh, you know, I'm totally faithful. I'm good. Yep. Like the occasional person was totally faithful. It was rare that someone was totally unfaithful. And I keep thinking about that episode with BJ and how oh, guilt-ridden yes, he is. Too. <laughs> He's like, I have feelings for someone else. Like, this can't be happening. And you're like, well, yeah, that, that's a rough war zone. Why. I guess, it, you know, if he could die any minute, right? <laughs> like, well, that's what the I, whole, isn't it even a two-parter? I'd have I, to go I, back I can't and remember look. if it's a two-parter or not. And it's interesting because we're going to find out. Gulan <laughs> has completely dedicated herself to the army. She's not married. She has nothing. As far as we can tell, as far as we are given this movie, she's got nothing going on outside of the army. (laughs) And I would dare to wager that we're going to see her um, interact with a couple people. Yeah. But that's as far as it goes. You know, like, those are yeah. really Yeah, I think for her, it's just, oh, this is something. It's like her off hours. Like, I get some time to kill. She's actually, <laughs> think about it. She's, I can have sex now. She's one of the sure. few people that's in the right, though. She's single. What does she care? Yep. That's true. She's free. free and Footloose and fancy free. free. Or whatever that saying is. <laughs> that's it. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think footloose and fancy free has ever been used to describe Margaret Houlihan before. <laughs> That's probably very accurate, yes. <laughs> I just love it. I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about her character and where the... You can't even say where the fault lies. No one's at fault. People are human. Exactly. It's a whole thing. It's a thing. We are going to see the worst of human behavior, yeah. and we're going to see... The best of human behavior, maybe. Well, I mean, in this minute, you, in this minute you're only really going to see the worst. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, you're only going to see the worst. All right, so should we talk about holding up my hands like Parks and Rec? <laughs> the worst! <laughs> yeah, let's get to the worst. <laughs> Frank Bird mm-hmm. in the post-op ward. <laughs> First of all, Jeff, can we talk about bad CPR in movies and TV? Because it's something that I have definitely been trying to I mean, to look yeah, he's only a doctor. Why would he know how to do CPR? <laughs> and granted, it was... The 50s, and they were going off of, I don't know, uh, my grandfather was in RTC during World War II and then served in Korea. And I have this old book that has the whole, like, behind. Maybe it's the CPR where it's like, you put them face oh down gosh. on the sand and then lift up now, their body. And it's just, it's not, now, it's not how you clear I'll, I'll, a block. I'll step in here and try all. to help Frank Burns. <laughs> you can technically do that. You can just pound on somebody's chest that way. I've seen it done. Okay, I'll take that back. I have not seen it done. I've heard of it being done in certain situations, but it's normally if somebody has something on their chest you can't remove. Like they're wearing a ton of clothing and you're trying to do CPR, so you're hitting them because you can't Hmm. get the chest compressions to work. But you wouldn't do it twice and like, oh, you hit him twice and then you start. It's just one of those, I get it. Like the thing that makes me laugh, so he yells for Boone to get him a cardiac needle. Boone is, uh, from what I'm able to figure out, he's a med tech, which would be the person you go into a doctor's office, takes your blood pressure, you know, they do your your heart. They're the one that talks to you first. They're usually not a nurse. It's just, like, they mm-hmm. have basic medical knowledge. They can do some stuff. They can draw blood. They can do that kind of stuff. But they can't do 
They're not a surgical nurse. Meanwhile, he calls for a cardiac needle. The guy sitting behind him is the dentist. Like, you're better off with him getting it than this guy. Like, that guy's a doctor, at least. He still had to go to medical school. <laughs> oh, should we start the whole dentist v. doctor debate? Well, I'll tell you this. Did he, though? They, if you've ever seen Matt, I think they, I'm pretty sure they do it this. Where they bring somebody in and they do the, um, uh, when they triage them outside before they come in. A lot of times during triage, we'll use dentists yep. to do the triage. Because a doctor, if they see somebody injured, mm-hmm. they feel like they need to try to start helping that person. Where dentists, all triages is to tell you how hurt they are. And we, there's a scale, A, B, C, D, how, how bad you are. There's these color-coded things. You've probably seen them during like mass casualties. People wearing these tags around their necks. They're yellow, red, I forget, black. Yep. Black's not the one you want. Yeah. So a dentist is willing to be like, okay, yeah, he needs this, he needs that. Where a doctor will be like, no, no, I can start working on him because I'm a doctor. <laughs> like, no, so normally triage, we will use like a dentist or a nurse because nurses are a little bit more able to do it too. The doctors are like, just get in there. We'll send you the patients. Just don't, don't be out here. You're messing things up. <laughs> Megan, wasn't our first question ever recording was Tom Taylor asking why Painless would be on the landing pad? <laughs> well, and then there's two things. There's one, he could be on the landing pad because he's triage. He's, he's a medical professional. He can still do stuff. He just can't do surgeries like them. And mm-hmm. out on the landing pad could be anybody if they need yep. what is considered manpower, which is just carrying stuff. Yep. That's everybody. If you're not working, you have to get out there and carry casualties in or carry equipment. Like, they don't care. Like, oh, you're a doctor? Tough. Get out there. <laughs> I do love that there was a whole episode on how proud Margaret was that she was training the nurses to do triage. And it sounds like that should have been. Well, it, it is a special skill to learn. All along. <laughs> just to do triage. Because, like I said, okay. you're not working on the people. You have to just give them a quick once-over and be able to determine where they need to go. And if you screw it up, you're going to put people in the wrong place and waste everybody's time. If you send somebody for immediate care and they don't need it, mm-hmm. you're wasting a doctor's time. You also have to be able to make the call. You need to be able to put an expected tag on somebody's neck saying that they're beyond normal help. Yeah. Basically, give them morphine and, you know, we don't have the, we don't have the manpower to get to them. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Morphine and okay in our case. And I'll, I'll also give them, the, the show did run for 11 damn seasons, so I really shouldn't judge any storyline they were able to get. You were like, wait a minute, this seems familiar. Have I seen this episode? No, you saw the same storyline with different characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. We did the storyline with Trevor, yeah. but he's gone now, so we can do it with Honeycut. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we did the same storyline with Radar. Now we're going to do it with Klinger. Nobody will know this, right? Right? Uh, so... Burns asked Boone to get him that, and I feel, God, Boone's his face because even in my completely low-stakes workplace, we've all had this, where someone's like, get me this. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not even that I can't do that right now. I don't even know what you're talking about to explain why I can't do that right now. <laughs> He's just like, I'm sorry. You're saying words. I know they're words. They're yeah. in English. And yes. Yeah, it's basically the same as if you were in a hospital and a doctor asked you for a cardiac needle. And you'd be like, um, I could probably find a needle. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know which needle is which. I'm assuming the amphetamine will have a label that says amphetamine on it. Like, I'm sure okay, Frank Burns being a, a skilled doctor and a good man next minute will say, oh, I understand that you didn't know what that was. Here, let me show you what the cardiac needle is for next time. Let's make this a learning experience. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. Except that I work in a corporate office and 
the fact that you just said learning experience made my eye. Actually, no, the best was um, at summer camp. If the executive director ever said, I have an opportunity yeah. for you, run. Just oh, run. God. No good run. of coming is going to come of that. Have you ever had to scrub? Uh, granted, it was cleaned out, but still disgusting. <laughs> an underground tank. I mean, opportunity could mean so many things. Yeah, it's, it's up there with my other favorite. Hey, we need a couple volunteers. And then since it's normal, if this is like military stuff, they would oh, do that. God. And they'd be like, ah, oh, Johnson, Rodriguez, thanks for putting your hands up. Nobody moved at all. <laughs> so do we have anything else for the specific minute? Because obviously we're going to be. Oh, no, I really want to see how this works out. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> that, that patient's life is as good as saved. <laughs> So I will give you a moment to plug your podcast other than, you know, I retweeted a billion things because there, there's some bad, there's some bad minutes in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan, in case you didn't listen, I guessed it on Mallrats. Oh, interesting. Some, yeah. Some interesting stuff in there. And actually I didn't even have that, that well, I did have Jason Lee pretending. To That's like not even stuff. in the top 10 of what's worse so, than that movie. <laughs> interesting no it's really not it's really say, not that's why wild. i was like it's 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 not and yet when i try and think about what did we cover i am a little bit like, um, i would have to say <laughs> our worst minute had to be right at the end there are two interactions with an adult and an underage female in one minute and i mean it's not it's played for laughs, laughs like as a joke that was one we were watching it we're like oh yeah this doesn't this doesn't get kind of is is that also there's an implied third? Oh, yeah. The, the difference is, in the version we watched, the implied one is shown. The one with LaFour's is only implied oh, okay, in the movie. that's what it is. In the theatrical cut. No, no, no. We got to see it. I had to watch uh, Sven Olthorsen's Naked Torso. You're doing the Lord's work. Don't worry. Next year we're doing Chasing Amy. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing, nothing to cover in there that's going to be sensitive or hot button. So now that we've really sold everyone on it, what's the best way to oh, yeah. find it? Uh, go over to <laughs> Dueling Genre. We covered Clerks before that, so uh, that one's just mostly naughty language and lots of it. Yeah, it's just uh, me and my buddy Chris cover these movies, and uh, we don't take it all that seriously, as you might have been able to realize. <laughs> fair. Absolutely fair. We have an interesting back and forth on serious, not serious with MASH, which I think Robert Altman probably... Well, I think that's the, only, that's the only way it makes sense, because that's what it really is. <laughs> like, oh, you're gonna, for real, talk about this stuff, but also, like... That's cool. Talk about the impli the unfortunate implications of trying to climb out of a helicopter in a pencil skirt and stockings. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I made. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> So we'll come back tomorrow and we will discuss more. And as you pointed out, yeah, I'm sure everything's going to be fine. I mean, there's still more movie, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> and it's not turned into a horror movie. So go us. <laughs> uh...